Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Just ask Andy Williams, right? With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you to be of good cheer, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But some people just aren't feeling it. Maybe because of sickness. Maybe because of sadness. Maybe because of stress. Just not feeling the joy of Christmas. How about you? Really? Are you experiencing the joy of Christmas this year, right now? Well, consider this. Who really experiences the joy of Christmas? Well, it's got to be the kids, right? I mean, do you remember waiting for Christmas time? I mean, it was the whole year just spent waiting. And then after Christmas was over, you just kind of reset the calendar and we're waiting for Christmas again. Writing the list, checking it twice, not just being satisfied with the list, but making sure everyone knows what it is that you're hoping and praying for. We always had our Christmas on Christmas Eve, and if we got several gifts, we got most of them on Christmas Eve, and the best one was always saved for Christmas morning. So the highlight was sort of Christmas Eve, but the very best gift was on Christmas morning, and I remember one particular year I got to open a lot of really good gifts on Christmas Eve, and uh, I thought... I'm not sure what's left over for Christmas morning because this has been fantastic already. But I got up on Christmas morning and this year must have been particularly good for my parents because I didn't just get one gift that topped the ones that night. I got two gifts. Christmas morning that particular year, I got a bike and a 22 rifle. Now you can really shoot your eye out with one of those. It's got to be the kids who really, really experience the joy of Christmas. But the, the older I get, I realize that I enjoy giving a lot more than I ever enjoyed getting, even a bike and a twenty-two rifle. We really do get the most joy out of Christmas by giving, don't we? My kids, my family, just trying to figure out the very best gift to give. I remember one particular year, my kids had no idea what was coming. And that was shown by the fact that when we gave them their gifts, all three, Zach, Janie, and Allie, all three got the exact same thing. And when we gave it to them, my son responded with, are you sure we can do this? We gave our kids that particular year iPhones. Are you sure we can do this? Talk about making dreams come true. I've always said about giving my wife gifts that you know it's good when you make her cry. And just by God's 
good graces, I have been able to make her cry over the years for good reasons. Yeah, but the, the uh, Grinch learned that there's something even better than giving and receiving gifts. Even the Grinch knows this. According to Dr. Seuss, quote, What if Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store? What if Christmas perhaps means a little bit more? Dr. Seuss, through the Grinch, wants us to know that those who experience the joy of Christmas are those who understand that it doesn't come from a store. It's not about the gift. It's not even about giving. But Dr. Seuss and that particular story would want us to know that Christmas is really about family and friends. It's really about the people of Whoville. Christmas really is about people. But friends, as good as these things are, you're not going to find any of them in God's Christmas story. You're not going to find gifts, you're not going to find giving, and you're not going to find friends and family in God's Christmas story. But God wrote Simeon and Anna, that last lesson that we read. God wrote Simeon and Anna into his story to show us who really experiences the joy of Christmas. Here's the answer to our question. Who really experiences the joy of Christmas? Simeon and Anna teach us that those who really experience the joy of Christmas are those who are waiting for more than what this world can offer. Those who are waiting for more than what this world can offer. The story of Simeon and Anna is one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story, and unfortunately, it's often overlooked. Maybe it's because it's separated by about 40 to 45 days after the birth of Jesus. We're going to credit that. Maybe it's uh, for some other reason, but it seems like all of the other parts of the Christmas story, the, the narrative of the incarnation of Jesus, get the press. I mean, the main characters are always there. You've got Mary, you've got Joseph, you've got Jesus, even have the smelly shepherd in every story. They always make it. The extraterrestrial creatures always capture our attention. There the angels are singing and proclaiming the joy of Christmas. Even the ox and the donkey get mentioned. I mean, they even make the songs. But where's the song about Simeon and Anna? Where are the old people in Christmas? Friends, the old people are the ones who get it. The old people really get it. I mean, you think about it. Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Verse 22 through 38. And we see this scene in the temple in Jerusalem where the parents of Jesus, Joseph and Mary, bring the newborn, only about 40, 45 days old now, to the temple under the law of Moses. And they meet two people, Simeon. He's righteous, he's devout, and he was old. (laughs) This story is going to tell us that he was near death. 
And then look at verse 36. Anna. She was a godly widow who was, well, she was either 84 years old or she was about 105 years old because the uh, the original language and the math can go either way. Either all of the events happened before she became 84 or she got married when she was still a virgin, probably 12 to 14 years old. She was married for seven years and then she was, she has been an a widow for 84 years, add that up and you're going to come to about 103, 105 years old. We're not sure which, but the point is she's old. Which is why I had Jay read this portion of scripture and Sherry, Sherry just happened to be along with Jay. But I want you to notice verse 28 and verse 38. Simeon and Anna end up full of joy and like sharing the news with everyone. Look at verse 28. When the parents brought in the child Jesus, Simeon took him up in his arms and blessed God. Look at verse 38. Anna coming to the temple at that very hour, she began to, quote, give thanks to God and to speak of him to all. Simeon and Anna teach us that those who really experience the joy of Christmas are far more than those who get or far more than those who give. Far greater than those who focus just on friends and family. You know why? Because gifts and giving friends and family are all part of what this world can offer. Anybody can enter into that. But the gospel of Christmas, God's story of Christmas... Those who really experience the gospel of Christmas are those who are waiting for more than what the world can offer. That's what we learn from Simeon and Anna. They were waiting. They were waiting. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Look at verse 38. Anna began to speak of him to all who were what? Next word, waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. That's what these two have in common. It's not just that they were old, but they were waiting for the consolation of Israel, the redemption of Jerusalem. And the waiting infers that they were suffering. They were suffering as Israel, who was always oppressed by someone. When you look back on the history of Israel, you'll see them uh, oppressed by Egypt, oppressed by the Assyrians, oppressed by the Babylonians, oppressed by the Persians, oppressed by the Seleucids, and oppressed by the Romans. They were always oppressed by someone. And here at this particular time, 
they were under the thumb of Rome. The Jews were not free people. The Jews were an oppressed people. The Jews were a people who understood suffering. Simeon and Anna were waiting, which means they were suffering. But note, they were waiting, not just suffering. They were waiting, which means that they were longing for a solution that the Maccabees weren't able to give. That Moses and Joshua, that David, that Solomon was never able to provide for their people. That currently Herod was not able to give. No one in the history of Israel was ever able to free them from the oppression of other nations. They were longing for that freedom. They were longing and looking for something that the world and none of their greatest leaders could ever give them. By faith, Simeon, Anna, and others who were coming to the temple were trusting God to fulfill his promise to deliver them through his Messiah. God made a promise to deliver his people through his son, servant, king. So when the Bible says that they were, quote, waiting for the consolation of Israel or waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, that means that these people of faith were looking beyond what weapons and innovation and strategies and people can give. They were looking and longing, waiting on God to fulfill his promise. And what makes this scene so extraordinary that we should never leave it out of the story is that they weren't just waiting, but those who experience the joy of Christmas are those who recognize that Jesus is the one they're waiting for. That's what happened with Simeon and Anna. And God made this a a very special exclamation point, and he did it through divine revelation. So notice in verse 25 and 26, it introduces Simeon as a man who was righteous and devout. But look at verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So Simeon had a special revelation from God through the Spirit of God, look, verse 26, that he, Simeon, would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so he came in the Spirit into the temple. I wonder how many times Simeon came to the temple hoping and waiting to see the Messiah. I wonder how long it had been from the time that there was a revelation, special, unique, miraculous revelation from God to this devout man that he was going to not die until he had seen the promised Messiah of God. 
How many times had he come to the temple and just watched parents bringing in little baby boys, firstborns, to be circumcised so that moms and dads could offer sacrifice and praise to God for this new child and specifically consecrate the firstborn, which was what was happening here under the law of Moses with Jesus. How many times? Verse 27, but this time was different. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, Simeon took him up in his arms. Now we don't know if Simeon was a priest or if he had special service duties there, but whatever it was, Simeon recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. He recognized under special revelation that this is the one that they've been waiting for. And so he takes up Jesus in his arms. Imagine that. And he blessed God and said, verse 29, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Now I can die in peace because I have seen the Lord's anointed, the promised Messiah for Israel. And God uses Simeon to reveal to us who Jesus is. Look at verse 25 through 26. This child that Simeon recognized is God's salvation. He's the consolation or comfort of God for his people. That goes back to Isaiah chapter 40 that we have been studying. Chapter 40 verse 1 says comfort, comfort. You could translate that consolation. For my people, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended that her iniquity is pardoned and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. It's that kind of comfort. Jesus is God's salvation. Verse 29 through 32, Simeon reveals that Jesus is God's revelation. Notice in verse 32, he is the light and the glory of God. Second Corinthians teaches us in verse, in chapter four, verse uh, six, that God who said, let the light shine. So notice the light metaphor. God who said, let the light shine out of darkness has shown into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So to say that Jesus is the light is to say that Jesus is a revelation of God's truth, a light shining into the darkness of our sin and depravity. Jesus said himself, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus is not only the light, but look, he is the glory. The incarnation of Jesus is the incarnation of God. 
the glory of God in flesh. And Hebrews chapter 1 teaches us that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. So friends, to the whole world, to Israel and to the nations of the world, God sent His light and His glory in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then notice in verse 34 through 35, when he's speaking to the parents, especially Mary, Simeon reveals that not only is Jesus God's salvation and not only is he God's revelation, but he is God's invitation. Read verse 34. Simeon blessed the parents and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Jesus Christ is the sign, the miracle of God that demands a response from every single human being on planet earth. That's what Simeon's saying here. Everybody's hearts are going to be revealed through Jesus. Everyone's heart will either oppose Jesus or receive Jesus. And based on whether you receive Jesus or oppose him, you will rise or you will fall. The Old Testament talks about Jesus being the stone that either we will build our lives on or that will fall on us and crush us. So Jesus is the miracle of God, the sign that demands a response. He's given to us with an invitation because this Jesus said, Come, all you who are weary, come, not after you've cleaned up your life, but come, sinners, weak, poor in spirit, come to me and I will give you rest. Simeon and Anna, Show us that those who really experience the joy of Christmas are those who are waiting for more than what this world can offer. So let me ask you. Just like Simeon and Anna were suffering, how are you suffering today? There's a lot of people in our church really suffering right now. In fact, our nation, our world is suffering. How are you suffering? How do you feel the pain, the oppression of this life? Well, just consider this. We suffer under the depravity of our sin. 
We live every day, every single day with the guilt of our wrong thoughts, wrong attitudes, wrong words, wrong deeds. Every day. Do you feel that guilt? And if it's not today, we feel the shame of past failures. Some more acutely than others. Rather than being left to our ability to be right and do right, we see the child Jesus. And we take him up in our arms of faith and we bless God because we recognize Jesus to be God's salvation from our sin. Jesus alone can provide forgiveness of our sin. And Jesus alone can provide us a perfect righteousness. Friends, His work and His blood is our justification before God. And it's our security with God. And because of Jesus, you can rest. You can enjoy life. How are you suffering? We suffer under the curse of death. Listen, our bodies, they are amazing machines. But they're cursed by disease and death under the sun. Some of you experience pain every single day of your life. Every day. And you know physical suffering in a way that I don't. For those who have been blessed with health, listen, regardless how much you work out, regardless of of how well you eat and sleep, every day, all of our bodies are declining. And eventually, they'll all wear out and we'll die. Every single one of us. So rather than taking what this world offers... Rather than obsessing about our bodies or, or stressing over our health or fearing death, rather certainly than abandoning ourselves to the mantra, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow I die. No, we, we see the child Jesus. When we're suffering under the curse of death, we see the child Jesus and we bless God because we recognize Him to be the only Savior from death. Nothing else can save us from death except Jesus. He's more than this world can offer. Through His death and through His resurrection, Jesus defeated death. And He has given all who will follow him eternal life. The confidence of the resurrection 
from the dead with a new body. So because of him, when we experience the suffering of disease and death, for those of you who deal every day with pain, we can suffer the curse that comes along with disease and death knowing that this life is not all there is. The best is yet to come. And we can suffer knowing that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is sovereign over every painful experience and disability that we have, and he will use it to accomplish his purposes. Can I just make one more application? Just like they were waiting, just like they were suffering, just like they were longing and looking for more than the world could give. Just like they finally saw it in the Lord Jesus Christ and it produced joy that shouldn't be left out of the story. We suffer under the darkness of humanism in our culture. Man, how dark is it in our day? Just look around. We live every day in a culture that's just crazy. Man has come up with so many religions and so many philosophies in life. I mean, the average Joe has no clue which one is true. Pick one. Your truth, her truth, his truth, their truth. Just do your own thing. Rather than being left to grope around in the darkness of our own human wisdom, we see Jesus, who is the light and glory of God, who is God's revelation to us. And we recognize that all who will follow him by faith will be led to God's truth, which is God's way. Friends, those who experience true joy at Christmas are those who recognize Jesus as what we've all been waiting for. No matter how good the gift is, no matter how sweet the giving was, no matter how great your friends and family are, the Lord Jesus Christ is God's gift that will bring us into a right relationship with God forever. That's something to celebrate at Christmas. That's why we sing joy to the world.